Yes, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We just come before you right now, so excited. I've been so excited all day. Just in anticipation, in great expectation, Holy Spirit, of what you're going to do here tonight. You are so welcome. And Father, as we just sang to you, we hunger to know your presence more. We hunger to know and experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit in, whoa, thank you, Jesus, in us and through us more. So Father, I prepare right now for a preparedness, a preparedness in our inner being, in our soul, to receive, to believe and receive the gift the promise that you have set aside for believers. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Oh, yay. I really have been excited today. And I'll tell you why. I have been teaching about the Holy Spirit for, this is fourth week. And last night I shared the same teaching and, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was fun. Holy Spirit was just poured out so richly. I was personally able to pray with about four people for the infilling, for the first infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then I prayed for several more people for uh, a deepening in, in honoring and expecting him to work through them. So I have just seen, I, I've, I, I had my eyes on a woman last night who received for the first time. She's a beautiful woman with a Catholic background. She didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But she and I have been growing close over the last couple of months. So she trusts me. We've had a lot of talks, deep talks about, about faith. And anyway, I prayed with her last night for the infilling. And as she was praying and receiving, it was as if she was in heaven. I was watching her. I had my eyes open and I was watching her. And she was, I couldn't see a cloud of glory with my natural eyes, but I sensed it in my spirit. And she was smiling as big as she could smile. And the tears were just pouring down her face, pouring down her face. And she was just overwhelmed with this amazing treasure that she was receiving. It was just so good. So I'm really excited because I get to share again. Monday and Tuesday. It's awesome. I like this Monday and Tuesday thing. So, Barb, will you pass these out for me? So I was talking to Pastor Tim this morning, and I was telling him what I was talking about and sharing tonight. And he made a statement, and I'm going to share it with you. He said that the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the door to everything else that God has for us. It is this doorway that when we have this door, it opens, it opens and allows us to experience everything that God has for us in a better, bigger, a more amazing way. So I'm just going to stir you up and get you excited too. Okay. Today I'm going to teach part four. I think this teaching is very important because what this teaching does, it's called, the, the subtitle is Questions and Concerns. What this teaching does, or my, my heart, is that it will answer those questions and those things that maybe you've heard because there are some doctrines that are taught that really aren't in complete agreement with this doctrine. There's a scripture, just really quick, I want to read to you. It is in 2 Timothy 
So let's see if I can find it quickly in my Bible because it's not on my notes. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and this is what it says. It says, all scripture, this is scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's breathed by God. And it's profitable for doctrine. And then it goes on and lists other things it's profitable for so that we can be complete and equipped but that word doctrine means teaching. The scripture is profitable for doctrine. What I'm teaching you tonight is the doctrine from the Bible. And my prayer is that it will, it will show you according to the Bible, the doctrine that isn't always taught correctly by man. There's the doctrine of man and there's the doctrine of God. Sometimes they don't agree. So what I'm sharing tonight are some of those things that can be misunderstood. So I want to clarify according to the word what the word says. So there's a bunch of questions. The first question is, is this thing that I've been teaching about for three weeks, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is it for all believers? The answer is yes. And I'm going to give you a scripture to, to back that up. I'm going to give you lots of scripture today. So this scripture is Acts chapter 2. This is after the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had given the promise, and then he said, wait, don't go out and start ministering. He had already died, been buried, resurrected. And once again, he told them about the promise in his resurrected body. And he said, wait, don't start ministering until you've been endued with power from on high. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that's when Peter stood up, anointed by the Holy Spirit, gave this amazing sermon testifying about Jesus and the finished work of his cross. At the end of his, at the end of his anointed talk, 3,000 people responded. And this is what happened. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That promise is the promise that Jesus was talking about, the promise of the Holy Spirit. That promise is for all. It's for the children of these people, for their children's children, and for all who are far off. And I receive that promise. In the book of Acts, we, we see the, the Holy Spirit poured out numerous times on different people, different groups of people. We still live in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the, the church being birthed, and the church is people. We're the church. I believe we still are living in the book of Acts. What we're going to experience tonight is what they experienced in the book of Acts. When Jesus was preached and the, and the truth of the word was, was taught. So, yes, this baptism is available for all believers. And it's still available today. The next question is, is there biblical evidence that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is connected or evidenced with speaking in tongues because this is one of those big questions out there well okay i know there's the holy spirit i know about the father the son and the spirit 
But then there's this whole thing about tongues that's kind of questioned in the world. So I want to give you evidence that yes, that answer is yes, there is evidence. In fact, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is linked so closely with the external manifestation of speaking in tongues that this should be considered the norm. Now, do you have to speak in tongues? Is something just going to happen? Nope. You don't have to, but you get to. And it's amazing. And I'm going to share lots of reasons why. But what I want to show you right now is the biblical evidence that when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, the evidence of tongues was there. So I'm going to give you three examples. The first one is the first outpouring when the 120 people who had been waiting received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So there were about 500 people that were given the direction to wait when Jesus, right before he ascended. Of those 500 people, 120 of them actually waited. They went to this place. This, in fact, I get to go there next week. <laughs> yes, yes. They went to this place and they waited and they prayed in one accord. They did what Jesus said. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's the first outpouring, but that's not the last. Another example is in Acts chapter 10. And this is the first time in the book of Acts, in the church, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on Gentiles. So there was this whole amazing, the whole chapter is fun to read. But this whole chapter where a man who was a Gentile, he was an Italian, his name was Cornelius. He was praying. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Jew. He certainly wasn't a Christian. But he wasn't even Jewish. And God came to him during his prayer and he heard and he said, God told him or the Holy Spirit said, go and send for this man named Peter. Bring him to your house and then listen to what he says. So he did what he heard. Peter, on the other end of the story, also heard from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told Peter, when these people come, it's okay to go with them. And the Holy Spirit gave Peter another really powerful message. And that was, it's okay. Even though he's considered unclean, I don't consider them unclean. I'm paraphrasing <laughs> But God basically said, whatever I say is clean, is clean. So don't consider the Gentiles not worthy of receiving. So Peter went with these people. They came, got Peter. Peter went back to Cornelius' home. Cornelius had gathered a bunch of people together, and they were excited to hear what Peter had to say. And that's where I'm going to pick up. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who had heard the word. And then, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They, the, the word of the gospel had been shared they believed it, received it, and then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they, and they knew it, 
Peter knew it because all these people started speaking in tongues. There was a connection between the Holy Spirit and the evidence of tongues. And then in chapter 19, um, in this scripture, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was on his mission, one of his mission trips. And he passed through Corinth, and he was talking to some believers who were believers in Jesus. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And then they responded, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So they knew about Jesus, but they didn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whoa. That happens today, all over the place. So Peter, or Paul told them. He told them, he taught them. And I'm going to pick up with the last verse. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 people there in all. So there's another example. So every time in the Bible that it talks about this baptism, what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it was evidenced with the people speaking in tongues. Which leads me to my next question. Is this thing called speaking or praying in tongues important? And the answer is yes. It is an imperative. You don't have to pray in tongues. You don't have to speak in tongues. But it's amazing and it's good for so many reasons. I'm going to share four. There's got to be a lot more than four. But these four should convince you. I know they do me. Number one, praying in tongues is praying in agreement with the perfect will of God. That's a good thing. There are many times when we don't know how to pray. Or when we, in fact, that's what this Roman scripture says. Let me just read it from the Bible. In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. That phrase right there, sighs and groanings too deep for words, I believe is praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. You just don't have words to speak. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because the spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. There are many times when I'm not sure of the will of God. If there's a promise in the word, then I know his will. If I'm praying for healing, I know the will of God, and I can pray God's promises. I can speak and agree with the word of God. But there are times when you don't know. One of those times, I was just talking to Glenn about this before our meeting, one of those times is when you're making an important decision. We're in a healing class right now, and there are a lot of times when you have to make decisions. Doctors give you options, or doctors give you very strong suggestions. But you have a choice. I've been in that position where I was given options and I needed to make a decision. At first, when I was given that choice, I remember going to my mentor. I thought I knew what God would want me to do. And I thought the thing that he would want me to do was just absolutely 100% stand in faith and don't do anything else. That's what I thought God would want me to do. And I went to my mentor and I said, Jenny... I want to I show God my faith. I believe. I believe his word. I trust in him with all my heart. 
but I'm not sure. I don't know what to do. And Jenny gave me some really good wisdom. She said, Cindy, it doesn't matter if you choose option A, B, or C. God's going to meet you right where you're at. But she said, this is what I suggest. Go home and pray in tongues and seek God's peace. So that's what I did. I spent that weekend just pressing in and praying in tongues. And I had a little systematic way I did it. So what I did, I had three options, three medical options. I took each option to God one at a time, just one at a time. And I I said, okay, God, this is the first option. And I would tell it to him. I was really telling me. But I was just putting it out there. I was just putting it clearly, saying, this is number one. And then I just started praying in tongues. And I just pressed in. The cool thing about praying in tongues is your brain doesn't get in the way. So I was praying in tongues, and I was just seeking peace, seeking that feeling of it's okay. I did that with all three options, and I only had peace with one of them. So that's the one that I followed. It's not the one that I thought. Remember when I said I thought this was what God would want me to do? For whatever reason, for Cindy, God knew that I needed to have exploratory surgery for Cindy. That might not have been the same for you, but for me, that's what I had peace with. So this is a powerful tool to pray the perfect will of God. I want to explain just a little bit, and and this probably is just too simplified because praying in the Spirit is so amazing. But in Cindy's simple way to explain it, when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying from the spiritual realm instead of from our brain from our soul our soul is our mind our will and our emotions but we're a three-part being we're spirit and soul that's our mind our thinking our intellect and our physical body when we pray in the spirit it's the spirit part of us that is praying in partnership with the holy spirit and we get out of god's way In the spiritual realm, we're perfected. In the spiritual realm, we have the inheritance of God, but we maybe haven't seen it in the natural realm. But I believe when we pray in the spirit, we are accessing that perfect realm of God. We are praying the perfect will of God. And our brain gets out of the way because we have a tendency to, to depend on our processing, our reasoning, our figuring things out. When we're praying in the spirit, that doesn't happen. There is a scientific study that was done um, in about, I, don't, I, I showed a video clip last night, but it took a long time, and this is a long teaching, so I, I'm just going to tell it to you. It was done a few years ago. But this, this teaching scientifically proves what I'm telling you. And basically what they did was they took a pastor who is a, a believer in the Holy Spirit and who prays in the Spirit. And they had him, first of all, pray in English, in his native language. And they did an MRI while he was praying. Then they said, okay, now we want you to pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues. So then he prayed in tongues and they did the same test. And what they saw when they looked at his brain was that the part of the brain, it's the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that we use for speech was lit up and very active when he was praying in English. But when he was praying in the spirit, that part of his brain wasn't active. It didn't light up. 
So science is giving evidence to what this scripture says. That it's, we're praying with the Holy Spirit. And that we're praying the perfect will of God. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Okay, so that's the first amazing reason why it's powerful to pray in the Spirit. Here's the second one. Praying in tongues unveils revelation of God to you. I shared this scripture a couple weeks ago when I talked about how we are strengthened and built up inside. I'm going to share it again, but I'm going to go further in the scripture to show you how praying in the Spirit is a part of getting this revelation from God. So I'm going to start in um, 1 Corinthians 2 with verse 10. But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but the spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. Now, I'm not going to continue for a second because I want to just go back and review. What this says is that only the person himself or herself knows her or his own thoughts. I know what's going on in my head right now. You don't, unless I choose to tell you. And God says the same thing with him. The only one who knows the thoughts of God is the spirit of God. But here's the bonus. And it starts with the first, um, let's see. Yeah, thank you for going back one. It starts with the first word. It says, for we did not receive, I'm just going to read it from my notes. For we did not receive the spirit of this world, but we received the spirit of God. So that's the bonus, because when we receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the Spirit of God, we can know what God wants us to know. Now, I'm not saying we are God. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, but my my husband's giving me little motions. But what I'm saying is that God can unveil one piece at a time because we have the Spirit of God in us. And then this scripture goes on and it says, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the spirit. This is praying in tongues, not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit revealed truths with spirit revealed words. That's praying in the spirit. I believe, and I've experienced this, and I bet a lot of you have, that when we're praying in the Spirit and our brain gets out of the way, it is, an, it is, it is a tool to hear from God. It is a tool to get that direction or that revelation from God for him to reveal his thoughts to us or his direction or his way to us. And praying in the Spirit is a tool, an amazing tool to help us to hear from God. Now listen to this next verse. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit, for it makes no sense to him. 
he can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Leave that scripture up there for a second. I'm going to finish it in a minute. Last week, our vice president was speaking about his walk with God. You heard it on The View. You heard it on the news. And he was saying how he, I don't know if he specifically said he prays in tongues, but they mentioned it on The View. And then he was talking about hearing from God. And the, the, the people, the worldly people, were ridiculing him. And they're saying, it's one thing to talk to God, but to have God talk to you, that sounds a little crazy. Isn't that what they said on The View? They were also ridiculing him for speaking in tongues. Well, this scripture explains why. Because someone living or some people living on an entirely human level reject the revelation of God's spirit for it makes no sense to them. That's what we were seeing. That's what we were seeing on the view. It doesn't make sense. It seems crazy. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Yes, yes. I heard there were like 3,000 or so people that called into the view and 2,500, okay. And we're expressing their, um, their confidence and their um, uh, approval of our, pres- our vice president. And then listen to these next two verses. Those who live in the spirit, including Vice President Pence, Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things and they're subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. Amen. But who's ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? Christ has and we possess Christ's perceptions. Wow. In another translation, it says we have the mind of Christ because we have the spirit of Christ. So we can gain the perceptions of God. We have that precious gift. Number three, another reason why praying in tongues is amazing. And it's because it brings spiritual edification to the believer. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. We're going to talk about both of those concepts when we go to Corinthians 14, but I right now just want to focus on the first part that says he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. That's a good thing. It means to build up in Christian knowledge, to instruct, to improve the mind, to uplift, to strengthen. That's a powerful tool. Many of us, not many, all of us (laughs) need to be built up spiritually and praying in tongues is a way to do that. Number four, praying in tongues energizes your faith. God's part is done. Jesus completed it. He paid the price in full, 100%, once and for all on the cross. Our part in receiving the fullness of his part is believing what he did. Simply believing. This tool, this gift that God has given us, that we get to do, praying in tongues, builds us up in our most holy faith. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. We are built up as we pray in the Spirit. Our faith, the word I like to use is it's activated. It's energized. Our faith is upped, strengthened. More power, not our power, Holy Spirit power. 
And then there's two more amazing pieces to the scripture. There's a comma after Holy Spirit. And it says, as our holy, as our holy faith is being built up through praying in the Spirit, comma, keep yourselves in the love of God. That word keep means to carefully tend, to take care of, to guard, to observe. So this is saying carefully tend the love of God. Observe it. Guard your heart and let the love of God do its powerful work. There's another scripture that says that faith works through love. Faith operates. Faith is activated through love. So all of this goes together. Praying in the spirit builds our faith, but faith, this building up of faith, part of that is having the love of God here in your heart and guarding it. Because knowing the love of God is a tool to activating your faith, knowing you're loved by this amazing, good, good father. But then there's another comma. There's more. And the last part of it says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. That word looking doesn't just mean like I'm looking at Chris right now. It's way bigger than that. That word looking means taking or receiving. In order to receive what God has, we need to take it. He's already paid for it. It's done, but it's up to us to receive it, to take it. And what is one of the things God, Jesus gave us was mercy, grace and mercy. Grace means that we, we get what we don't deserve. It's this amazing, big, huge present that we didn't do anything to earn. But mercy means we don't get what we do deserve because Jesus got what we do deserve. He got the judgment. So this scripture says we need to take it. And that's all part of your faith. Faith is built up as we pray in the spirit. Faith is built up. Our heart is guarded. Our heart is prepared to receive the love of God. And then we can take this gift. We can take it. Sometimes it's hard to take a gift that you don't feel like you deserve. But with all of this together, we can take this precious gift of mercy, which leads us into an amazing place. The word unto, the word unto actually means leads you unto. So receiving the mercy leads you into this place of eternal life. Forever, Zoe. Forever, never ending. Forever. Um, I want to give you all of these amazing words. Without end, never to cease, everlasting life. The word life is the word zoe. It's an amazing word. There are many words that are used for life, or at least more than one. But this particular word, this Greek word for life, zoe, is, a, is God's kind of life. It's the life that Jesus talks about in John 10.10. 10 the life of abundance, the life of overflow, a life rich and full, devoted to God, a blessed life. And it's the potential. It's our potential as we stand in this place of trusting God. From the moment you receive Jesus, that's ours, that eternal life. But when you know, you can receive more. Many people don't know 
that eternal life is yours the day that you receive Jesus. They don't know what that means. They don't know the depth of the inheritance that we have. But when you know it, you're, you're able to, to receive it. But it's not just for today. It's not just while we live in this human body. It's also after our death and resurrection. But then it even gets increased. Because then the Bible says we have a heavenly body. It says we have a heavenly home. And a lot more. That's another whole story. Another whole thing to talk about is heaven. I get excited talking about heaven. But, but bottom line, praying in the spirit just puts us in that faith of energizing our faith for everything. So there's a lot of good reasons to pray in the Spirit. Okay, the next big question that I want to address is this chapter in the Bible that often causes a lot of questions. And if you have your Bible with you, I'd like you to open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures from this chapter. And I would like you, if you could see my Bible, which you probably can't, I have all of these starred, all of these scriptures I'm going to share with you, I have starred. Because these are scriptures that I go to when I talk to people about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This chapter has sometimes been used against praying in the Spirit or against being baptized in the Spirit. But I'm going to show you the doctrine that's really taught in here. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's the gist of it. And then we're going to go from, to a bunch of individual scriptures. The gist of it is, first of all, there's a whole chapter in the Bible about tongues. It must be, it must have been when Paul was, because this is the church of Corinth that Paul was ministering to. It must have been that this church was really all filled with the spirit and speaking in tongues, or there wouldn't be a whole chapter about it. So that shows that this this gift, this promise, was being received by lots and lots of people during the beginning of the church. But the reason, the gist of why this chapter, I believe, was written is because Paul was concerned because the people of Corinth were out of order in their church. They weren't centered on Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. They weren't centered on the finished work of the cross. Their focus was on the manifestation of the Spirit. Their focus was on seeing the power of the Spirit. And that was out of order. We still see that in some churches today. And that's a concern. I have been to different conferences where the manifestations of the Spirit distract from the Word of God, and that's not the way it should be. There was an imbalance in this church, and, and you're going to see as I share these next several scriptures that that's what Paul was teaching about. So you have on your sheet two sets of scriptures. The first one says, positive, powerful truths about speaking in tongues. So what I'm going to do, and I suggest you mark these in your Bible too, I'm going to read bunches of scriptures that give amazing, positive, powerful truths about speaking in tongues. The first one is verse 2. When someone speaks in tongues, no one understands a word he says because he's not speaking to people, but to God. He's speaking intimate mysteries in the spirit. Now that's pretty cool. This is a truth from the Bible. We're not speaking to people. We're speaking directly to God. And we're speaking intimate mysteries of God in the spirit. 
I like that. Verse 4 says, the one who speaks in tongues advances his own spiritual progress, while the one who prophesies builds up the church. So this is a scripture I already shared in a different translation, but we're built up as we speak in tongues. That's good. That's good news. The next verse is verse 5. Paul says, I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. Well, the apostle Paul wouldn't say that if he was concerned or if he said, don't do this. This isn't healthy. He said, I would be delighted if you all spoke in tongues. And then he goes on and says, but I desire even more that you impart prophetic revelation to others. Greater gain comes through the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless there is interpretation so that it builds up the entire church. So what Paul is saying that I'd like all of you to speak in tongues, but when you're in church, I would rather that you impart prophetic revelation. Now, what I want to do right now is I want to give you, in the Amplified, it, dis, it, it explains what that means, that prophetic revelation. Listen to this. In, that you would interpret the divine will and purpose in inspired preaching and teaching. That is power. That's what we want to be doing. That's what Pastor Richard wants to be doing on a Sunday. That's what I want to be doing on a Tuesday, is to interpret the will, the divine will and word of God, the purpose of God in inspired preaching and teaching. That's what leads people to Christ. The next verse is verse 14. Paul says, If I'm praying in a tongue, my spirit is engaged in prayer, but I have no clear understanding of what's being said. That's what I talked about earlier when I was sharing the brain science. Our spirit is engaged in prayer, but not our mind. Again, that's a powerful, positive truth. The next truth is um, verse 15. Paul says, so here's what I've concluded. I will pray in the spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind engaged. I will sing rapturous praises in the spirit, but I will also sing with my mind engaged. So Paul says, I'm going to do both at the right, at the appropriate time. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to pray in my native language. I'm going to sing in the spirit. I'm going to sing praises in my native language. Verse 18, I give thanks to God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Again, Paul wouldn't have said that if there was a problem with him speaking in tongues. And the last verse I want to share in these positive, powerful truths is verse 39. So, beloved friends, with all of this in mind, be passionate to prophesy and don't forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. That's the word of God. Don't forbid anyone. And yet some doctrines of man do. Some doctrines of man in some um, denominations forbid speaking in tongues. But the Bible right there is the doctrine I listen to. That's truth. That's the one I want to, in my heart, and it says don't forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. So now I want to go to the next set, which is the the concerns that Paul had, the cautions that he had, the very important things that he was telling this church that he wanted to correct them of. I'm going to read a few different segments of chapter 14. And again, I would mark these in your Bible. The first section is verses 10 through 13. And Paul says, 
I suppose the world has all sorts of languages, and each conveys meaning to the ones who speak it. But I'm like a foreigner if I don't understand the language, and the speaker will be like a foreigner to me. And that's what's happening among you. So just like if you're in a foreign land and everybody speaks a different language, you, you're, you can't understand anything that's going on. And Paul says, that's what's happening in the church. He says, you are so passionate about embracing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now become even more passionate about the things that strengthen the entire church. So then, if you speak in a tongue, pray for the interpretation to be able to unfold the meaning of what you're saying. So he's saying, in church, if you're going to speak in tongues, pray that there's an interpretation so that that understanding from God to man can come and benefit everybody. In verse 19, this is a similar statement. Paul says, but in the church setting... Notice he says what he's talking about very specifically. In the church setting, I would rather speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 exotic words in a tongue. That way I could have a role in teaching others. If you came to this meeting and I spent an hour and a half speaking in tongues, you wouldn't be getting anything in your understanding, in your soul. Remember the scripture that, that Chris said, I desire above all things that you prosper in all things are in and are in health even as your soul prospers there is a direct connection between health and prosperity and having your soul prosper your soul is your mind your will your emotions you need teaching you need to know what the word says to prosper in your soul so that's what paul was saying the next section is verses 26 through 28 Paul says, beloved friends, what does all this imply? So after all of this chapter, what's the bottom line? He says, when you conduct your meetings, you should always let everything be done to build up the church family. Whether you share a song of praise, a teaching, a divine revelation, or a tongue and interpretation, let each one contribute what strengthens others. If someone speaks in a tongue, it should be two or three, one after another with someone interpreting. If there's no one with the interpretation, then he should remain silent in the meeting, content to speak to himself and to God. So Paul says there's all kinds of ways to build up the church family. And so do what builds up the church family when you're in a church setting. And then verse 40, do all things in a beautiful and orderly way. So what he was doing was he was setting order to a church that wasn't in order. But he wasn't saying, don't pray in tongues or don't speak in tongues. So then that leads me to my next question. And this is another question that we hear out in the world a lot. And the question is, or the statement, or the misunderstanding is that every time you speak in tongue, there must be an interpretation. So the question is, does does there always need to be an interpretation? And the answer is no. In the church setting, yes. In the middle of a service, the Bible says yes. But that's not always the case. What I would like to do is I would like to read a scripture about the spiritual gifts. And then I want to differentiate between speaking in tongues, your devotional tongues for yourself, and 
the gift of tongues with interpretation. There is a parallel flow of the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you about that in a sec, but first let me read the scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So this is what the Bible calls the manifestations of the spirit. The spirit being um, um, manifest in these amazing, visible ways. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healings, faith, special faith. There's a bunch of them. There's nine of them. But what I want to share with you is that for every one of these gifts, there is a parallel flow of the Holy Spirit. Parallel means when when something is parallel, think of two lines that never intersect. They continue going. They don't cross. They continue to go straight. There is a parallel flow of the Holy Spirit. In one of the flows of the Holy Spirit, it is for the individual. Remember the two benefits I shared? The first benefit is for the individual to be built up, to be built up, to be strengthened. That is one of the flows of the Holy Spirit. The other flow of the Holy Spirit is for the body of Christ so that the Holy Spirit can work through individuals. That's what this is talking about. For the benefit of all, the Holy Spirit does the work. He's working right now. There's a power going through the words that I'm speaking of the Holy Spirit to be deposited in you, to be building you up, to build up the body of Christ When I give words of knowledge, when God or you, some of our people here give words of knowledge and we feel like God is speaking something and we don't know who it's for, but we feel like God is speaking something, that's for the body of Christ. It's as the spirit wills for the body to build up the church family. So there's the flow of the Holy Spirit for you individually and there's the flow of the spirit for the body. I'm going to give you two examples The first example is healing. Many, many, many of us have received healing as the Holy Spirit works in us individually. As we learn what the Word says, as we take the promises of God into our heart, as we declare the promises of God and pray His Word, as we're built up, and grow deeper in our walk with God and our relationship with God. That's how I received healing. That's what I see very, very frequently. I see that a lot. There's another way that God heals, and it's called the gift of healing. The gift of healing is when the Holy Spirit moves, touches a person, and that person is instantly healed. If you guys were here when Joey got healed of lupus, that was about a year ago, she was healed in one prayer time. She came with a debilitating disease and she walked out healed. That's how you were healed, Chris. That was a gift of healing. You didn't have anything to do with it. 
<laughs> it was God. It was the Holy Spirit. It was a gift of healing. She didn't even believe in healing. She was very skeptical. Holy Spirit just, oh, it was awesome. But that's not always the way it happens. But there's a parallel flow of the Holy Spirit. I was healed through one flow. Chris was healed through another flow. But what we're talking about is the tongues. What we're talking about is tongues. So there is a chart. Would you go to the, I believe it's the next slide. This chart is on the overhead and it's also on your paper. So there's the same parallel flow with the Holy Spirit prayer language. The first one that you see on the left side of the chart, the whole column going down, is what happens with our individual flow of the Holy Spirit through us. When we are speaking in tongues, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we speak in tongues because we get to, it's us speaking to God. It's our prayer with the Holy Spirit partnering with us going up to heaven. It's voluntary and it's continuous. So I have to choose to pray in tongues and I can, it's continuous. That means that it doesn't stop. It doesn't come and go. It's not like I have the Holy Spirit today and a week from now, for whatever reason, I can't pray in tongues. I have it. I can speak in tongues at any moment, at any time, any day, any, anywhere. It's continuous. It's my choice. It's my will. I don't have to. It's my will. I can control tongues. I'm never out of control. I have control over when I pray in tongues. And it's self-instigated. That's the parallel of flow of the Holy Spirit for me as an individual. The other flow is for the church family. On the right side, the Bible calls it the gift of tongues. We just read the scripture that says it's for the profit of all, that it's as the Spirit wills. So if we go down that column, instead of us speaking to God, it's God speaking to us because it always goes with an interpretation. So the Spirit, the 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 tongue goes forth, the, mess, the message goes forth in a tongue, and then there is an interpretation. That's God speaking to you. It comes down from heaven. It's from God to us. It's spontaneous. Don't always know when God's going to choose to do that. We don't always know when God's going to choose to do a gift of healing. It's as the Spirit wills for the profit of all. And even when it only affects one person, it's still everybody gets to experience it and see the God manifested. It's spirit prompted. So that's why it's okay to speak in tongues and it doesn't have to be interpreted unless you're in a church setting. Okay, last question. <clears throat> it took me a long time to get here. <laughs> Hours of teaching because this is the fourth session. But the question is, so how do I receive this amazing gift? Because like Pastor Tim said, this is a door that opens to everything and anything that God has for us. Whether it is a powerful, strong marriage, whether it is your desire to be the best mom you can be or dad, whether it's your desire to know God in as deep and intimate way as you can possibly know him, whether it's your desire to receive the fullness of healing, whatever it is, this is an amazing, precious gift. It's the door. So how do I receive? I'm going to share lots of stuff that the Bible gives. There's no one way 
There's no, we got to do number one, two, three, and four. But I'm just going to show you what the Bible shows us. The first one is at the very beginning, before the promise had been poured out, Jesus said to wait on God in prayer for that promise. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You've heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So that was at the beginning before the promise had been poured out. And now we have access to the Holy Spirit. But the, the whole idea of waiting on God in prayer does kind of apply to today because it reflects our heart attitude. And I, I think that's why I'm so excited today because you guys have been waiting a long time. If you've been hearing these teachings over the last two or three or four weeks and you haven't yet received, you probably say, well, you just let me receive this precious gift. But my prayer is that you are so hungry, so thirsty because you know this amazing promise that your intense desire is there. You are set up. <laughs> you are ready. You are positioned to receive it. And believe me, it is worth waiting for. Number two. One of the important things in receiving is hearing the word of the Lord about the Holy Spirit. So you know about the Holy Spirit. Unless, until you know, until you understand, you may be afraid or you may be confused or you may say, that's too weird for me. But when you know, it puts you in a different position for receiving. So Acts 10, this is back to the story about Cornelius. Cornelius is telling Peter all about how he heard from God and he waited and then you sent he sent for him and he came so I'm going to start with the last verse and Cornelius said so I sent to you immediately I sent to you Peter immediately and you have done well to come now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God they were ready and we know the rest of the story they were they received Jesus and they received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the second scripture I love to share is Romans 10, verse 14. The Bible says, how will people call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they not hear without a preacher? So many people haven't received this precious infilling of the Holy Spirit because they just haven't heard. Nobody's taught them. You've heard. <laughs> Number three, we need to also be open to be meek, to be teachable, and to receive what you hear. In Acts chapter 19, once again, I'm not going to read the whole scripture. You can even go to the next slide. I'm just going to remind you that this is when Paul went to Corinth, and he asked them if they'd received the Holy Spirit, and they said, we've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Then Paul talked to them some more. They must have been open. They must have been meek and teachable. Because it says, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So they were open to hear, to be meek, to be teachable. That's another key. I have had people who I have talked to and they weren't open. They weren't ready. And that's okay. But then they came back to me. 
another month or two or year later. And we talked again. And those seeds that had been sown earlier were watered and nurtured, and then they were ready. So in this scripture that we just read, it talks about Paul laying hands on them. So that's another thing we often see in the Bible is the laying on of hands. I like to use the example of jumper cables. When a car battery is dead, you hook up those jumper cables and you hook up a little power from the other car and it just zips into the dead car and brings it back to life. Well, that's kind of what happens when we lay hands on you. That the power of the Holy Spirit is imparted or um, uh, like a, a point of contact. The Holy Spirit in me and the Holy Spirit in you, there's a connection to um, just give you a little boost, a little power. We do that many times when we pray. And the Bible tells us to do that. When we pray for healing, we do that. We do it in a lot of different instances where we lay hands on people. And this happened in the Bible. A couple examples here. Acts chapter 8. In this example, it's a different example than I've read so far. The apostles were at Jerusalem, and they heard that Samaria had also received the word of God. And they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The next example is about Paul. I never realized, I never, this one never connected with me until I was preparing this. In Acts chapter 9, this is after Paul had had the experience where the intense light and he, you know, was knocked off his horse and, and Jesus spoke. He was blinded. <laughs> he had this huge encounter, huge encounter with Jesus. And then the man named Ananias was sent to Paul. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's another, another example of laying out of hands and being filled with the Holy Spirit. He was healed of the blindness at the same time. So laying out of hands. Number five, and I believe this is the big one, and that's to ask. It's to ask. Luke 11 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. I love that line. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? What is the implied answer? No. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, and that word evil means a natural man, if you, being a natural man, just a person, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If we ask for this baptism of the Holy Spirit, God's not going to give us something bad. 
He's going to give us something very, very good. Amen. I want to share one example before we close and then pray. My sister um, is a very, very strong, powerful Catholic woman. And years and years ago, it was before I was diagnosed with cancer, and I'd been healed for 16 years, so it was many years ago, she was the head of religious education in her church. And because of that, she went to a lot of conferences. And this one particular conference she went to, they set small, they broke them up in little small groups. And their um, assignment was to go and share with one another where they were on their spiritual journey and the next step they wanted to take. And then to pray for one another. It might be reading the Bible. It might be having a different kind of prayer life, whatever. My sister in this small group asked for more of the Holy Spirit. She said, I want to know the Holy Spirit more. I want to grow in my experience and just with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to know him more. And they all prayed with her. After that prayer, my sister said something very strange happened to her in a big way. And, the very, and she said she felt like she was tongue-tied. She said that it was really, really upsetting because she still had to work with parents. She was the religious ed coordinator. She had to have parent meetings. She taught middle and high school level students religion. And she said she'd get in front of those groups of people and she felt tongue-tied like she couldn't teach, like she couldn't share. It was so bad she quit that job and she went and started working in a bank. Then I was diagnosed with cancer and she was praying for me. She was fervently praying for me. This one particular day, I was scheduled to have a PET scan. She got up early. She lived in Colorado, so she had to get up really early to pray for me before I went for that scan. She was in her house praying fervently for me, and out of her belly came a prayer language she didn't know anything about. She started praying in tongues. She had never prayed in tongues before. She was interceding for me. She was praying. She didn't know how to pray. She was at that place where she didn't have words to express her prayer. She was praying so fervently for me. And that prayer language rose up and out of her. My sister to this day is a very powerful, spirit-filled woman who prays in the spirit all the time. I believe, and I may be wrong, but I believe that the thing that she felt that was like tongue-tied was because she wasn't releasing the tongues that were in her. She wasn't releasing that, that, that treasure that comes along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? But she asked and she received. She didn't know what she was receiving, but she received. Okay, before we pray, there's one more important piece, and that is, it's on the back of your last sheet, the back of your last sheet, and that is, this is so common, the devil does not want you to have this amazing tool. He wants you to be like my sister and not know or not use the fullness of the Holy Spirit in you. And so he very often, once you pray this prayer and ask, you might say, I don't think it worked. I don't think it happened. But the Bible says that everyone who asks receives. And the Bible says, how much more will your father, your good father in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I believe his word. But the enemy wants to, to not let you receive. He's a stealer, killer, and destroyer. Now, he can't steal the gift. 
but he can make you not think you have it. So many times when we pray this amazing prayer that we're, I'm going to give you the invitation, you don't have to do it. I'm not making anybody. But if you choose to take the invitation after you pray the prayer, you may say, you know, that's just me. You may receive and then you say, well, I don't feel anything. Don't have to feel anything. Or you may say, I prayed a few words. I said a few words in another language, but that was just me making it up. People don't understand. That's the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you one last scripture. This is Matthew 13. This is a parable that Jesus told about the sower. I'm only going to read the first kind of soil and Jesus' explanation of it. He told, Jesus told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them up. So that's the first soil. The soil was hard. It was a footpath like I'm envisioning stone. The seed fell. They couldn't go into any soil, so the birds ate it. Now this is Jesus' teaching. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. We're talking about tongues today. So people that hear the message about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and tongues and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Well, you know. This says those who don't understand it. That's why I've spent a long time sharing teaching. Because you, I believe, do understand it. And this is the last little piece. Don't let the enemy not let you receive all that God has for you. Okay. There is a sample prayer, because there's no one prayer. But I put a sample prayer here. What we're going to do is I'm going to have you, in a minute, just close your eyes, and I'm going to have you repeat after me if you want this amazing fullness of the Holy Spirit. You may already be filled with the Spirit, but you want more. You want to grow in a place where you allow the Holy Spirit to have a more active role in your life. I know I've had to take steps out of my comfort zone time and time and time and time again, and I, I'm going to keep doing that as long as I live. Just take, go another step, another step, another step. And every time I take another step, it's like I need to pray this all over. Holy Spirit, this is not me. It's got to be all you because I don't know what I'm doing. But Holy Spirit's there for us. So if you're in that place, this is for you too. This is for all of us. This is for me too. After we pray this prayer... I want to be able to give you individual ministry. So we're going to change things up tonight. Instead of doing corporate ministry where we're also fellowshipping, I want this to be very pure Holy Spirit time. So we're going to have our ministry team come more like an altar call. I'm going to move this out of the way, and we're going to be available to lay hands on you, to pray with you, to pray in our, need, our tongues with you to encourage you not to put you on the spot, but to have one-on-one -on -one time with you. There's also that impartation thing we talked about, that jumper cable thing. And we want to be able to just impart into you with our faith, combining with your faith, with the spirit in us, connecting with the spirit in you. Okay? 
Okay. And then we're just going to very, um, we're not going to have a formal closing. So when you're ready to leave, you can leave. But we just want to let the Holy Spirit have his way here tonight. So would you please just close your eyes. And Ken, anytime you're ready to put some music on, feel free to do that. So I'm just going to open with prayer. Father, I thank you with everything in me. I thank you for the amazing gift, promise of the Holy Spirit that you've given us. I thank you for the Trinity. I thank you, Father God, for your amazing love shed abroad in our hearts. I thank you that we are your adopted children. I thank you for Jesus, our Savior, our healer, our redeemer, the one who paid it all so that we could live this full life that you've ordained for us. And I thank you for the promise, the spirit of God that was sent to be with us forever, to dwell with us forever, to dwell with us permanently. And Father, tonight, as I offer this invitation to everyone here, both the people in this room and the people who are listening to this teaching on the internet. Father, we come to you asking because you tell us that everyone who asks receives and you tell us that you're a good, good father who gives good gifts to his children. So now I'm just going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And just let your heart speak to God. Say, Father, your word says that the Holy Spirit is a gift. I do not have to work for it. All I need to do is ask and receive it. So I ask you to baptize me now in your Holy Spirit. I desire your impartation into every part of my life. I want to receive all that you have for me. My heart cry is for a radical transformation in my walk with you. Consume me, O God, with your holy fire. I receive right now your promise, your gift, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father God. I trust you with all my heart. I believe your word. And I believe that as we have prayed this prayer from our heart, that we have received all that you have for us, this precious promise, this precious gift. And I thank you, God, that it is a treasure that will grow us up and build us up on the inside, strengthen us spiritually, and it will also be a power to work through us to witness of you, Jesus. May the truth that has been shared be so deep in your soul that no one ever can steal it away. 
and may it continue to grow in depth and breadth for the whole life that you live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.